This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Rare Exports Incorporated. Rare Exports Inc. from the land of the original Santa Claus. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's week two of our two weeks of Christmas episodes with 1997's Jack Frost and 2010's Rare Exports. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. Which actress plays a psychotherapist who enters the mind of a comatose serial killer in the 2000 film The Cell? Jennifer Lopez. That is correct. All right. Like, I feel like I shouldn't even bother asking questions because these questions are so easy. (laughs) We're just going to need to come up with harder ones on our own, I think, at this point. If this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight is a movie tagline to this 1974 Christmas horror classic. Black Christmas. That is correct. All right, that means we can get on to our first movie, 1997's Jack Frost. Story by Jeremy Page and Michael Cooney, written and directed by Michael Cooney, starring Scott McDonald, Christopher Allport, Stephen Mendel, and Shannon Elizabeth in her first acting gig. Not by release, but by filming. It's the first thing she actually acted in. The writer-director, Michael Cooney, wrote Identity as well and commented on the fact that Identity's catering budget was more than the budget they had for this movie. (laughs) So much so that they couldn't afford or find a director, and so he had to direct it himself. He just wrote the movie, and he wasn't intending on directing it, but because they had no money... That was their only option. (laughs) What is Jack Frost about? A serial killer gets hit with acid and melts into snow and becomes a serial killer snowman. Yup. The movie is free with commercials or a subscription on Prime, Shudder, Voodoo, Popcorn Flicks, Epics, and Tubi TV. You can rent it on Prime for $4 and buy it for $10 or $14 on Voodoo or Prime, respectively. Should people watch Jack Frost? Surprisingly, yes. Yeah. It was actually kind of funny. You should watch it once. Yeah. It's not incredible. No, but I was surprised. I thought it was going to be really bad. So I some was of it is. happily surprised. Well, yeah, there's some stupid things in it, but it's actually pretty clever and pretty funny sometimes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1997's Jack Frost. One cold night, science and evil collide. Now, a serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. (laughs) And he's 
giving cold-blooded a whole new meaning. Hell has just frozen over. Jack Frost. Look, Ma! I'm a Picasso! Not to be confused with 1998's Jack Frost starring Michael Keaton. No. Where a father gets turned into a snowman. No. <laughs> it's like, it was the weirdest thing. I remember, you know, I was, what, 12 when this movie came out? And then I was 13 when the next one came out? And it was a little bit confusing when all we had was like VHS early, early DVD days. And there was one movie where a person turned into a snowman that was a family movie and then just just make the wrong decision, and you have a horror movie. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> what happens in Jack Frost? Can you get us started? Well, it starts with an exposition dump, and it's done in a pretty silly way. It's Yeah. It's a like a grandfather talking to his granddaughter. That or, is the writer-director, no, Michael Cooney. Uh, her, her uncle. Yeah, uh-huh. She calls him her uncle, Uncle Henry. Uncle Henry? Tell me a story. No, it's late. Go to bed. Santa will be here soon. No, I want a story. Please. All right, all right. You want a happy story? Or do you want a scary story? I want a happy, scary story. Happy, scary story. Yeah. Fine. Once upon a time, there lived a man by the name... By the name of Jack Frost. Jack Frost? That's right. Like in the song, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. <laughs> Only this guy did it for real. It's just telling you all about how Jack Frost was a real person. He was a real serial killer, and he he would go from town to town for years and years um, and would do horrible things. He would gouge out eyes, he'd put nails in your face, he'd bake you up into pies. And, and that's what got him caught, is they found, they tracked him based on the pies. When they found body parts in pies... They, they they managed to track it back to the factory or something where he worked, and then that's how they first got on his tail. I guess, but that's not how they caught him. No, they tracked a, his An car unsuspecting or police officer, uh-huh. sheriff, I guess, caught him only because he was peeing outside, yeah. and he was like, can't do, food, can't do that. And then the guy was acting so weird that he was like, uh, you need to get down on the fucking ground. And then, then he found out that it was the serial killer. Yeah. Now, the so- sheriff is Christopher Allport, who is way too good for this movie. Like, <laughs> way too good for this movie. <sighs> he elevates everything about this movie. Uh, unfortunately, he did uh, pass away. Uh, before they could ever make a third Jack Frost movie. So they never did make a third movie. The uncle tells the story about the fact that, but he's going to die tonight at midnight, but the fun is just about to begin. And it's it's a really dumb way of telling you this, because well, you're never going to meet the, these people. It's going over the credits, too, by it's panning around a, a Christmas tree and every ornament has part of the credits, I think is what it is, or there's other yeah. sort of knickknacks that it, that it pans over. Uh, also, the little girl's voice is obviously an actress doing a voice. Hey, Uncle Henry, can you tell me about the thing? <laughs> like, you know, it's really, really obvious uh, that that couldn't just hire a kid to, to read from a script. I guess not. But it's supposed to be a little silly. And, you know, the uncle is very venomous towards his niece. Yeah, he, like, enjoys <laughs> terrifying her. And... 
like, based on this intro and then based on the next intro where we actually get to meet the killer, I was like, oh, no, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. And then it just gets so much better after these first two scenes. Yeah. So what is the second scene? So the story is correct. This man is being taken to be executed. And the cops are driving through this really bad snowstorm. And they're taunting the murderer in the back um, almost got away with it, didn't you? All kinds of stuff. But they're also nervous because of how bad the snowstorm is. And in the back, there's one guy with the murderer. And the murderer says, how about a smoke? And he says, how about you shut the hell up? And he blows smoke in his face. The two in the front hear something. And they're like, are you all right back there? And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm just fine. And it's actually the murderer. He's murdered the cop somehow yeah and is and now, now he's smoking. smoking his cigarette uh-huh. but that doesn't matter at all no it doesn't because then they get hit by an, an oncoming car and they're like no and the murderer's like oh yeah what the fuck no! No! oh yeah and they hit there's a lot of turning of the camera and oh crazy yeah we car we f- crash we find out that the, the truck that they ran into was a truck from a genetics lab carrying some sort of chemical that we don't know what when the driver gets out of the truck to try to assess the situation and realizes that Jack Frost the killer has gotten out and he's free um, and he, I think he has a gun on the driver at one point. I don't know. He's out of his chains. Yeah. Then the valve on the chemical tank and the back of the truck uh, bursts and just sprays all over Jack Frost. And it is kind of funny. The ki- Jack Frost is like, oh, this is going to hurt. And yeah. then it hits him. <laughs> and it's a cool effect where they obviously laid him down and dumped water on top of him. and they But they turned the camera sideways. So it looked like water was spraying at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have these little drips going backwards. It makes it very obvious what they did. But it also ha- is kind of a cool visual. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, melts into the snow, and they have this animation sequence to show the DNA connecting and whatever. Oh, real cheap animation sequence. Yes. Hey, this is (laughs) pre-X-Men that started, and I think pre-Spider-Man that that started with these sort of DNA sequences. So, he's very obviously coming back to life. But then we uh, cut to the sheriff who caught him. Him and his wife are driving, and he's flipping out, and she's just like, it's over. No more nightmares about Jack Frost, because apparently when he caught Jack Frost, he told him, I'll find a way. It doesn't matter what they do to me. I'll find a way. I'll ruin your town. I'll kill your family. I'll murder you. So he haunts the sheriff. Sam is his name. Yeah. This one, you're gonna regret. And he just has been freaking out about it. And she's like, it's past midnight. He's dead. You don't need to worry about it anymore. It's like they know that there was an accident. Yes, they do. Uh He heard about it on the car radio. I love that he specifies that, (laughs) the car radio. But the FBI guy that he talks to, who we meet, Agent Manners, says, nope, you don't have to worry. He's dead. But it doesn't clarify that he wasn't killed. Right. And we get to meet the guy's son. The son is kind of weird. They have this perfect family where the, they're all in love with each other and they're all sweet and kind and good. Uh-huh. And the little kid is like making 
oatmeal or something for his dad and the mom is like do not eat that because he's like a little kid experimenting with making his own stuff making something special for daddy and the dad's like don't worry i'm not actually going to eat it but he lets him serve him up into a ziploc bag this weird oats yeah and and he's like my dad's a hero no i was just in the right place at the right time like they're perfect people yeah uh uh-huh and there's apparently going to be a snowman building competition yeah, which the kid wants to participate in. And this is when I wrote down, what the fuck is Jessica Alba doing in this? Because I thought it was Jessica Alba when I first saw her. Oh. And I was just like, holy shit, is that who I think it is? And then Chris said yes, but it wasn't until a little while into it that I was like, oh no, that's the chick from American Pie. Yeah, Shannon Elizabeth. Shannon Elizabeth is there. All Like, all the town has shown up for this snowman building competition. Uh-huh. The sheriff is there to see what's going on, and he finds the mother of Shannon Elizabeth, who's also the mother of the kid who's going to die, who's also married to the Yeah, asshole. I don't know her name, but yeah. yeah uh-huh. but Shannon Elizabeth's mom. She is a funny character um, who will have a lot of very funny lines, and she's just like, I always wanted to be the angel at the top of the tree. <laughs> and the, the husband's like, what the fuck are yeah, you saying? Yeah, the husband... <laughs> Is a total asshole to her, and he's just like, "That's good. Now fucking help me." Like he he never treats his wife with the respect that she deserves, but she's also a little off her rocker. It's like, what am I supposed to say to that? Yes, <laughs> that's nice, honey. You know, when I was a little girl, I always wanted to be the angel on top of the Christmas tree. Good. You want to help me tie this now? Sure, honey. The sheriff approaches this kid. I don't know who he's related Young teenager. to. Okay, so there are two families that we need to be aware of outside the sheriffs, right? There's Shannon Elizabeth's family, and then there's this kid's family. This kid and Shannon Elizabeth are sweethearts. Yes. And the kid's dad runs the general store, and he's always trying to give Sam a discount because of what a great sheriff Sam is, and he caught the killer and all that. Uh, and Shannon Elizabeth's dad is just like a total dickhead, and he has a dickhead son. Yes. Her little brother. Yes. And Shannon Elizabeth is kind of a ditz. She's a ditz, yeah. Just, so, she's more obsessed with sex than the kid is, even though the kid is all like, I made boobs on my snowman. Yes. What's the difference between a snowman and a snowwoman? Snowballs. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. But it's it's the Shannon Elizabeth who like keeps pushing him to have sex. So the sheriff walks into the sheriff's office or whatever, the police station, and his assistant won't talk to him, but he's he's like... Oh, because she won't talk to him. So he's like, oh, how are you, Sheriff? I'm good. How are you, so-and-so? I'm good. We had a real gnarly time. And he's like, come on, what's going on here? Did somebody die? And she just holds up a thing and it says somebody died. Yeah, she wrote a note, a memo for him. Now, there's moments like this, which yes. are quite clever and yes. quite funny. Uh-huh. But they, they happen so slow-paced that it's hard to keep the energy up. So here's the biggest problem that Jack Frost has. So I wrote down a note. The dialogue is is in parts, at times, really lame. And at other times, really clever and fun. But that script is directed by the same guy who wrote it because he didn't have any other choice. And he's not an experienced director. So it's directed really poorly. And so that adds to that problem that you're talking about here. And... It, it just means that what is a great script delivered by a couple really good or fun actors isn't directed very well. So it 
it doesn't frame it. It doesn't put it in the best light. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway. So we find out that old man Harper died. And when they get there, they're just like, I got nothing. Like, there, there's nothing around here to, to show me how this person died. Oh, there's a great moment because the way it's framed... Old man Harper, his head is like pulled back and he's in a rocking chair and it's like rocking and the three police officers are there. There's the two deputies. One's a young kind of, we'll say whatever's on his mind guy and the other's a doofy older guy. And it's like rocking and they're talking. And at one point he just, the sheriff says to the younger guy, would you take your foot off the chair? And it's it's him that's been rocking it this entire time. It's like, I was not expecting that at all. And mm-hmm. it's very clever. And yes. Yeah. Now, the weird part is, is that he's like got ice all over his face, but they don't mention it. Well, he's been out in the snow, so I don't think that's the problem. But they know he didn't die of hypothermia because his neck is snapped back. Right. I don't know. Somebody mentioned something about, like, oh, old man Harper's apple trees. And at the very end, when they're about to walk away, the deputy who says whatever's on his mind goes, hey, will you get some apples? Yeah. <laughs> Later on, the local doctor, who is also the coroner. He's great, by the way. He's only in a handful of scenes. Yeah, he is great. But he's he's awesome. And they really thought through what's going to make these murders a mystery. And in this one, they talk about how his head is snapped back, so it was hit with something with great force, but there's no bruising or breakage in the face or anywhere else on the head, which implies that he was held by something very soft, like some thick mittens or something like that. And, I mean, you can infer that it's a guy with snow for hands. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's pretty great. It's like it, it actually took it. Its, yeah, it yeah. took itself seriously enough to explain that this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I really liked that. Yeah. So this is when the sheriff calls up what he thinks is the FBI, but in fact it's the company uh, that created the. Well, that's the weird thing is he tells his secretary or whatever her position is, get me the FBI, and then he gets a hold of manners. Yeah. So like. Why is the implication that he's not? I feel like he is the FBI, but it's he but works the, for the other guy isn't the other guy. It does work. The scientist dude works for the corporation, and I feel like they were maybe they had a contract together, and so anything about this accident filters through this particular FBI agent. I don't know. It's a little unclear in that regard. This is when he tells him the murderer definitely died. It's over, and then he hangs up or. He hangs up the phone and the sheriff says it's over and the corporate guy hangs up the phone and he says it started. Yeah. It's over. It started. That's also kind of fun. I remember enjoying that. Yes, it's mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of fun to this movie and he uh he's telling the scientist, "Yep, he's alive. He's killing people." And the scientist is like, this is a disaster. And the other guy's like, hey, look at the bright side. At least you know it works. Uh-huh. And he's like, and it looks like I have to put him back in the test tube. Like, there's a lot of really funny lines. It's just not delivered fast enough. Yeah. And so, like I said, if you don't keep the energy up, it doesn't matter how funny your movie is. Your audience is like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because you just, you didn't keep me going. Yeah. You... Every comedian knows you've got to keep momentum going. Yep. So, back at the sheriff's house, 
the mother walks in and she sees a snowman standing outside her house. And she goes in and she's like, oh, honey, you built the snowman. He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and she's like, well, you didn't give it a face. So how about you go out and give it a face? Here's he, some coal. But it's still Here's just like, I didn't, I didn't make one. Yeah. Who the fuck made it? I didn't make it. And nobody seems concerned about this. And when he goes out there, there's divots especially for... It's already the there. Coal. Yeah, uh-huh. And he's like carving out the mouth with his hand, but we see there's little icicle teeth that start forming, and you're like, oh my god, it's gonna bite the hand. But it doesn't. It doesn't. And Shannon Elizabeth's character, Jill, her dickhead younger brother, Billy, shows up with his friends, like, get out of the way. Yeah. This is an awesome It's a black ice run. Yeah. And we're gonna uh we're gonna tear down your snowman. He's like, but it's my dad's front yard. I don't care. <laughs> so he knocks off the head of the snowman, which makes him very mad. Yeah. And somehow he's able to push the sled and well, somehow yeah, the he kid knocks falls. the kid over. Yes. And then he pushes the sled and it slices off the top of Billy's head. Which I doubt. Oh, it absolutely would not happen. Okay, good. <laughs> no, it would it would cut you. It could probably open a good wound in your head, but it wouldn't slice off your head. No. And this whole time, the kid, Ryan, is like, the snowman did it. And nobody believes him. Shannon Elizabeth, Jill's dad, shows up and he's pissed at the sheriff because it was at the sheriff's house that his son died. And that means the sheriff wasn't being responsible and the sheriff is also the sheriff, and he's supposed to protect people and keep them safe. So he's, like, doubly mad at this guy, and he's taking his anger out on the sheriff. This guy is just a real angry dickhead. And so the mother shows up, the wife, the weird wife. Uh-huh. And she's trying to get her husband to calm down. He's like, stop telling me to calm down. Um, Our son was two feet taller or something. And somebody says, not anymore, he ain't. Like, there's... <laughs> There's so many really funny lines. Yeah. It's it's quite sad, in my opinion, that this movie wasn't made better. Right. It just should have had a larger budget. Meanwhile, we see that the kid just keeps telling her, the sno- his mom, that the snowman did it, the snowman did it. And she says to the husband, that's all he keeps saying, he must be terrified. Uh-huh. He just saw a kid die. Like, yeah, of course. He's traumatized. This is what I wrote, that this feels like a total ripoff of Child's Play. I had been thinking it since the beginning, ever since serial killer about yeah. to be killed, about to be somehow killed. gets yeah. his soul put into an inanimate object, yeah. and then is able to kill people, and then here we have... A kid who says, it was X, the thing, and nobody believes him. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's almost like, now... The snowman killed the kid because he didn't like that he cut off his head, but it feels like he did it kind of like Chucky does. To like protect. To, you know, I don't fuck with my kid. Yeah, uh-huh. So, back to the wife and husband whose son just died, and she's just like, shouldn't we turn the lights on? And he's like, your son's not dead five hours and you want festivities. And she's just like, I just thought it would be nice. And then Shane and Elizabeth, who had made plans earlier with the other kid to go out and meet him, uh-huh. she's like about to leave. And this, the father's like, you're not fucking leaving. Your brother died. And she's like, just because he died doesn't mean that everything ends. And he, he's like, you know, no wonder God has forsaken this family in this house. And she goes, God forsook this family long ago. <laughs> and where in God's name you think you're prowling off to like some lady of the night? Our grief isn't good enough for you. You may not have cared for your little brother. Jesus, Dad, I loved Billy. 
Do not be forsaking the Lord's name in my house, little girl! You Lord forsook this house long ago. <laughs> and it's just really funny! Yeah. And then she leaves... And the mom says to the husband, she's only talking back to you because she's upset. Yeah. I kind of love this mom. (laughs) Yeah, she's awesome. And so the dad angrily goes outside to apparently smoke a pipe. Yes. Which I thought was funny. Other than the slow pace, the worst part of this is the murderer. He, yes. It, it is so bad. And I know they're doing it. They have no money. So it's like, well, let's ham it up. Well, see, what they did is... I feel like Chucky learned the right lessons. It took just the right things from Nightmare on Elm Street. Enough to make it different. But like the the funny murderer, kind of the funny supernatural murderer thing, you know? And this, again, is trying to make Jack Frost like he is Chucky. And so he's like laughing and and, and saying puns and one-liners and stuff like that. And he's like, <laughs> and. If you think back to Thanksgiving and that killer turkey and all the one-liners he had, this feels like that, where they feel like they need to throw something in and him saying something clever and funny that's just, you're, you just smack your head, oh, this is, this is just dumb. Well, I was also talking about just the suit itself. Oh, yeah. Again, it's I know they- It's like a rubber suit. Again, they have to understand uh-huh. that. And so, like, I thought, okay, well, let's ham it up, Right. But if you're going to ham it up, you, you got to have more than one thing. I mean, it's like it's like one hand puppet that they have and it doesn't have a mouth really. It's got a slit that doesn't uh-huh. even open up to anything and when they move it it barely moves. Yeah. And like I know that this seems like a dumb thing to care about, but if you're going to show it, you've got to put some more effort into it. Because at first I thought they were never going to show him moving. We get to see for his, the longest time. You just see him appear, and, and you see a yeah. sweeping like snowman arm. Uh huh. And I thought, okay, they're going to keep it there because they don't have anything in the budget. Yeah. But then at this point, we start to see him talking, and it looks really bad. It does. The whole everything Jack Frost about this movie isn't that great. Mm-hmm. It's everything else where where the actual quality is. Yeah. The snowman keeps talking to him. And I don't understand because he's staring right at the snowman. Well, because he doesn't think it's the snowman. I get that. But his mouth has to be moving. Right. But we don't see that. We don't. They never show it. And it's implied that the guy is like, wait, where's that coming from? Like, so he doesn't see the snowman's mouth moving. And where's that coming from? Who's there? And he grabs an axe. And. Well, yeah, because he's he's. Feeling like either someone's fucking with me uh-huh. or this is serious. Uh-huh. And either way, I'm, I'm arming myself because fuck anybody that's fucking with me right now. And Jack Frost the snowman as he gets close to him. Well, once he got the axe, I was under the impression that he knew it was the snowman. But instead, he walks up to the snowman and looks around him. Yeah, because he thought somebody was like hiding behind the snowman or something like that. But no, Jack Frost instead grabs the axe from him. And instead of chopping him up with the axe, shoves the axe handle first down his throat, killing him. Which I assume is because they didn't have it in the budget. To- For him to actually axe him? Yeah. I thought that that was a fun subversion, probably because, like you say, they didn't have the budget. It's still a kind of a neat effect of, of the, the the view of But him. it doesn't make any sense. Well, they, they go back to it, how physically this doesn't happen. 
He's like, what you would expect, what the corner says is what you would expect is there being like horizontal or diagonal marks as the handle is shoved and twisted down uh, the throat. But no, there are only vertical marks, meaning it just went straight in with tremendous force. And again, the corner stuff is brilliant. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's not supposed to seem realistic, but yet somehow it was accomplished. And that's what's baffling these people. I wanted to point out that, again, the writer-director here wrote Identity, where there is a scene where they find a guy that has a bat shoved down his throat. Very, very similar to this. Mm-hmm. So it's like they reused that idea. Well, I didn't really like Identity, so... I saw Identity, what was that, 2003? I was like 20. I saw that movie and liked it when I first saw it, but I have not seen it since I first saw it in theaters. So I have positive memories of it. Also, at one point, the snowman asked him for a, a smoke because he was smoking out of a pipe, which brings you back to earlier when he asked for a smoke from the other guy. And after he killed him, he says, I only axed you for a smoke. Yeah. Gosh, I only axed you for a smoke. <laughs> and then we see him, the first time we see this power, he he melts himself and gets under the door in the house. Yes, yeah, so he has these abilities, so he can basically get into anywhere he wants. He can he can melt and then reconstitute himself as a snowman, and he does so to get in there with the mom, and then there's this really bad editing and shot where he wraps her all up with these lights from the Christmas tree and he strangles her with them. There's a couple of it's things. It's a little I, much. I agree, but there are a couple things I want to point out here. Uh-huh. Earlier, when she had asked her husband to turn on the lights, yeah, he for whatever reason the snowman has turned on the lights, and she goes, "Oh, Jake, that's so sweet of you," <laughs> <laughs> which was funny. The scene of him strangling her with the Christmas lights and putting the ornament in her mouth as a gag—it's uh-huh. pretty dumb. Yeah, it it's it's a bit much. Uh, but yes, our our favorite mom is dead, unfortunately. <laughs> Sad. So the cops show up, and one of them just, like, vomits, and he's like, keep it together. And the other one goes, you don't reckon we should leave her up for the 12 days of Christmas then? <laughs> There's also this this thing where they find a wet footprint. We see this a couple times. They do this trick a couple of times. But they, what they do is they put the camera under glass, and they put water over that like so it's like under a bowl or something or a a platter or whatever that has water on it so the camera's looking up through water and they're all over the top of it and it it gives it a really really cool effect and then it'll like flash freeze when they touch it with something Mm -hmm. you know it's it's very well done for how little budget they had for this movie Mm mm-hmm And again, this is the doctor reading the crime scene, and he's very clever. This is when the dude who said he was with the FBI shows up at the sheriff's office. Yeah. And the sheriff is talking about, like, how this is too much to handle. And he goes, well, it was never in your hands, sheriff. You were right the first time. Jack Frost is back, or whatever. And they explain that he can freeze and unfreeze at will. This is when the guy who's coming here to take down Jack Frost turns to the scientist and he's just like, what the hell have you unleashed on this town? Yeah, Manners is the agent. So tonight... We might, we got to arrange a curfew because yeah. someone is atta- someone or something is attacking people. Yes. 
And so a lot of people end up going to the church, the civic center, something like that. And that leaves the sheriff's house unoccupied. And Jill and her boyfriend... Uh, oh, we did, who we didn't see. Oh, that's that's later. Hold on. There's a lot of stuff happening here, and I don't know what it is. We didn't mention that Jill's boyfriend's dad, the general store owner, is the one who found the mom all decorated and everything like that. And, and then he sees Jack Frost, and he kind of panics and goes insane and disappears for a while. And Jack Frost, I think, punches him, right? Yeah, it's and it's so like great. That. There's an excellent punch, <laughs> and I love the punch sounds. Somebody gets punched, and it's really funny. There's a funny line where somebody says, what's eating him? And the, and the other person says, not his girlfriend. <laughs> At one point, somebody is driving a car, and they stop because there's a snowman holding up a stop sign. And the guy gets out of his car. He's That's like, what the, the fuck? Yeah. And the snowman gets in the car and backs over him. Uh-huh. And it's almost like, I have a car now. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. See what you did there. Now, back to the teenagers who are about to have sex. There's a funny scene where they have to take off all their layers. Yeah, that was very fun. It, and they're in the sheriff's house. Because they want to be naughty. And, oh, that's where her little brother died. And so, like, let's break into the sheriff's house. You know, like, I don't know. It's weird. But then she also makes it sexy. And she's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find me some wine. Which she ends up finding champagne. champagne. And I want a roaring fire. Yes. And meanwhile, she goes and blow dries her hair. And she does not hear when Jack Frost shows up. And kills this kid. Yeah, who's there? Well, it ain't fucking Frosty. Yeah. I'm a most pissed off snow cone. <laughs> and he, like, shoots. He, we find out he has the ability to shoot icicles. And that's how he kills this kid. And he, like, pins him to the kitchen door or whatever. Remember that she doesn't hear this because she's drying her hair. This is important. Because then she walks in. She walks out and she sees that there's a, a nice hot bath waiting for her, which makes no sense. How is that water hot? It was never drawn. Well, it's not. That's the thing. It's not Jack Frost. It's literally just a hot bath. I don't think it is. Because it later gets cold when Jack Frost gets into it. I guess. I don't know where the hot bath came from. Yes. But she also just fucking blow dried her hair and then she gets in the water and puts her hair in yeah, the water. Put your hair up and don't get it wet. Like yes. you literally just blow dried blue dried it? Blow dried it? Blow dried. So she gets in and she's ha- and then she complains because her eyes are closed and she's like in the water and she's like, oh, Whatever this kid's name is. Don't put cold, don't put water, cold in. water in. No. And uh, yes, that's Jack getting into the bathtub and then he starts freezing it. She he he freezes her and then I think the implication is that he's raping her. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Because like she he turns back into a snowman and like all of her limbs are kind of like pushing through him because she was in the bath when it turned into a snowman. Which is a neat concept, but we didn't need the added additional thing of rape. Yeah. He, like, slams her up against the wall over and over again until she dies that way. And he says, looks like Christmas came a little early this year. Well, I hope it was good for you, honey. Oh, I must remember to send flowers. Like, it's just a little too much. Basically, everything involving Jack and his dialogue is not good. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is fun. Yes. But one thing I wanted to say here is that. 
Looks like Christmas came a little early this year. Looks like Christmas came a little early this year. <laughs> is almost the exact same thing that was in 007 movie The World Is Not Enough with Pierce Brosnan when Denise Richards played a character called Dr. Christmas Jones and they have sex at the end of the movie and he says, I thought Christmas only came once a year. I thought Christmas only comes once a year. I guess the implication is is that she came twice a year? Still not great, buddy. <laughs> but yes, that they had great sex is the implication. Denise Richards and Shannon Elizabeth both played sexy American women in Love Actually together. Yes. And they were both the subjects of the I thought Christmas only came once a year and Christmas came a little early this year. Mm. Orgasm jokes. <laughs> mm. I don't know what happens next, but eventually they they come after him with guns, but you can't kill him with guns, so it doesn't matter. This is when the scientist who's been freaking out this whole time finally sees him. And he's like, this means so much. It means that souls really do exist. The soul exists. It's a chemical. The soul is a chemical. The snow didn't just store a Jack Frost DNA. It's taken on his personality. Exactly. You know what that means? It means he's killing my friends. No, Sheriff. It means that the soul exists. And it's not just some esoteric spiritual entity or even a vague electrical force. The soul is a chemical. And so then he doesn't want to kill Snowman because it's like, you're my proof. Yeah. I need you. Uh, don't kill him, even though he's trying to kill you. So we get to a point that feels like it's the climax, but we're going to find out it's not. They're in the sheriff's station and they manage to keep him away with blow dryers and stuff like that. They're melting him, but he can just keep. Reconstituting, yeah, he can keep refreezing himself, and so uh, they get into the back room where all the cells are, and we we see that they they locked up the general store manager guy because he's been ranting and raving like a lunatic, and he's like, "See, I told you, I told you there was a killer snowman." The scientist says, "Well, we could potentially." destroy the bond between the chemical and his DNA that's causing him to have this power if there's enough of a concussive force, enough heat in, in a single moment. So basically we need to explode him. And so they get all of these aerosol cans, bug sprays and hairsprays and stuff like that, and they tape down the little nozzles and it starts filling up this long hallway with all these cells where they have the front door to the hallway that leads to the, the, the front area of the sheriff's office, and then the back where there's a window that they're going to climb out of. So they start all these aerosol cans, they get to the back, and they realize, oh, the window's locked. Of course it is. This is a jail cell. The sheriff has to make his way through all the gas, back to the front, and there's this long, drawn-out thing where he's like, just, just reach out for it. Just grab the keys. They're in the door. Just grab them. And it goes on forever. And he's just standing there like two inches away. He just needs to take one more step. But then the water starts coming in under the doorframe. Well, because he doesn't want to get touched by the water. Yes. And for good reason. It's Jack Frost. I guess. But yeah, he's like, he, he, you can tell he's not reaching as far as he can. Uh, the whole time I'm just like, just grab them and then get out of there. It's worse that you're staying there. And he does, he grabs them and then he drops them and they fall in the water and he reaches down and he grabs them just as Jack Frost's hand turns into snow and grabs him and yanks him down. He gets away 
and he runs to the other end and unlocks it. They throw everybody through and they get everyone out. There's this minor gag where the general store manager guy gets stuck, even though it's very obvious he's not stuck. And then they manage to light the thing on fire and they blow up the sheriff's department. And they're like, hooray, we did it. But they didn't. They didn't. You thought that was going to be the climax and it actually wasn't. At one point, he ends up taking over the body of somebody who died. And then he's trying to move. And the sheriff is like, uh, what are you doing there, buddy? And then he's just like, fuck it. And vomits Frosty out, or Jack Frost out. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Sounds vaguely familiar. At some point, Jack Frost takes over a body because they all think he died. And he's trying to move the body around. He doesn't do it well. And the sheriff's just like, uh... What's going on? And he's, and so Jack Frost is like, fuck it, and vomits himself out. He, oh, he, he tries to reconstitute himself after the explosion, and he can't put himself together right. And that's funny, too. Yes. Yeah. At one point, yeah, he's all, he's like, look, I'm a Picasso, or whatever. <laughs> Which, again, the lines are... But like, why Obnoxious. doesn't why don't they try to attack him then when he's clearly uncap- incapable of going after them? I so, don't know, but it ends up something somehow the oats that the so, kid yeah, he, made. He's going after the kid and the dad, and they're in the the car trying to stay away from Jack Frost, and and the uh, the dad like throws the oats at him or something just because he doesn't have anything, and it starts melting Jack Frost. And he asked the kid, what did you put in the oats? What, I won't be mad. What did you put it in? And it's like, antifreeze. <laughs> I didn't want you to get warm. cold. Yeah. Which is cute and a good thing the dad didn't eat them. But yeah, because Jesus. Yeah. He's your like, dad be dead. He's like, oh, of course. And this is a really fun twist. Yeah. What can prevent him from reconstituting himself as snow is antifreeze. Mm-hmm. Of course. So he tells everyone to, like, get as much antifreeze as you possibly can. Here's our plan. Somewhere in here, he kills the the scientist. Is that who he takes over? The Probably. scientist? Probably. I don't know. They go into the church, and he gets Jack to face him. And they get into a fight, and at one point, he even gets an icicle in, in, in him. Like, he yeah. gets stabbed. Uh, meanwhile... The, the general store owner is put a tarp in the back in the bed of a truck and then is just dumping as much antifreeze as they can find. They make a little redneck jacuzzi and they pull it up to this window and the sheriff ends up running into Jack Frost and pushing him out this window and they land in this makeshift pool of antifreeze. And this is where the really good Jack Frost puppet stuff comes. This is where they spent their money <laughs> on the Jack Frost puppet. Because uh, they have different versions of him all melting, and it's it's kind of a cool sort of neat effect for the resources that they had. But somewhere in the kerfuffle, the arm gets knocked off, and the kid's like, Daddy, you forgot the arm! And then it wraps after he, itself around After the you think head. everything is done, yeah. what about his arm, Daddy? And then, yeah. And then, so the, so the sheriff grabs his son, throws him into the back of his truck, and like a forced baptism, just keeps dunking him under the water over and over again. Not water, sorry. Antifreeze. Over Which and over I was and over like, again. I guess you can be totally entrenched in it and be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a poisonous chemical, but it's not like... You know, you're not going to die just because you come into contact. So with it's it. fine to get it on your skin and yeah, everything. Uh-huh. They bottle up all the antifreeze again and they bury it. 
And then there's a towards scene towards the end where it's like it zooms in on the glowing antifreeze bottle and he like it's laughs, bubbling. It's bubbling. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So they, they've got them all in pieces and they've got them all like in different containers. So the idea is that he can't come back together, but he is still alive. It's It was at this point at the end when the reinforcements, the FBI reinforcements show up. Yeah. Because they've been held back by this blinding storm. Snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, which is a minor subplot. Uh, why we didn't mention it? Do you have any lightning round stuff, Kelsey? I actually do not. All right, let's talk about our thoughts on the movie. What do you think the movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? Thirty-eight. Seven percent out of fourteen reviews. There is no Metacritic or Cinema Score or consensus statement on Rotten Tomatoes, but seven percent, which is baffling to me. Because that implies one dude liked the movie and 13 people did not. I liked the movie. Overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So do you think 7% is underrated? Yes. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 60. That is exactly what I was going to give it. It's a lot like Pet Cemetery 2. It did just enough. And I can, seriously, I can pinpoint my two biggest problems with it. The killer himself kind of sucks, and it's too slow-paced. If it weren't for that, I would have thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Yeah, and the the problem is, is the movie is very full of uh, what I call and-then energy, where it's not so that, it's and-then. We've talked about this in past episodes. Right, but this is such a silly movie that it doesn't quite matter. You're right, but then it gets into the last act, and every single encounter is just the same thing over and over and over again. You know, oh, they melt Frosty. Frosty leaks through a door and reconstitutes himself. Oh, they melt Frosty, Jack Frost. Uh, he he melts and he reconstitutes himself through a door. And it's like that same thing over and over and over again. And then this happens. And then this happens. And then this happens. I'm glad that it didn't end at the sheriff's department because we got that fun antifreeze solution, yeah. which was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that. But I was I was kind of upset that it kept going right, after the Right, after that station. point, when he said, what about the, the arm? I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, not again. Yeah, it just kept, there just kept being more and then. And I was like, just end the fucking movie because I want to retain my positive, my yes. overall positive feelings about it, mm-hmm. which ultimately I did. But, you know, it's that close. It's 60%. <laughs> yes. It's a rating of 60. It did just enough. Yeah. But I I would certainly say to watch this because it was nothing like I, I thought it was going to be just garbage. And it wasn't. And it did what I think it barely did what Thanksgiving couldn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. The mom is hilarious. Yeah, the dead mom. Um, you end up loving the sheriff. Yeah, Chris Alp- Alport. You just love him. He's great. He's awesome. Just the funny little things that he did, like the lines are great. I could just deal with I, I could deal with losing the character of Jack Frost. The main character that the movie's named after is like my least favorite character in the movie. Yeah. It's a little bummer. But anyway, that's our uh that's our feelings on 1997's Jack Frost. Before we get into our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia. What is the name of the sequel to Ridley Scott's Alien? Seriously, we need you need to get a different source. Yeah, this, this game, game sucks. Way too easy. I'm not even dignifying that with a response. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, Kelsey. This 1984 slasher flick is about a young boy who went crazy after seeing his parents get murdered by a killer in a Santa suit. Years later, he dresses as Santa and goes on his own killing spree. What is the name of this horror film? Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yes. Not Silent Night, Bloody Night. No. <laughs> uh, this had multiple choice, and I wasn't going to give you the multiple choice, and Silent, Silent Night, Bloody Night, Night is an option. That's <laughs> that's rough. Yeah, Silent Night, Bloody Night was an interesting movie. Yes. That's, that's not cool, though. That's a total trick. Yeah. Uh, are we ever going to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? Eventually. Garbage day. Yeah, there, there's so many Christmas horror movies. Yeah, like I don't think we'll ever run out of those. No, because there's more than two made every year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kelsey. Uh, moving on to our next movie, 2010's Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale. We'll get into the origins of this movie at the end because I think it's important that you watch the movie before. You watch wherever this movie came from. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, so the movie was based on an original idea by the Helander brothers, uh, Yalmari and Yuso or Juso. It's, is that why the kid's name is Yuso? Yes. How yes, funny. Uh-huh. But it's actually written by Yalmari and directed by him as well, starring Yorma Tamila, uh, Oni Tamila, and Peter Yakobi. We're probably saying all those names oh, wrong. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> They're Finnish names, and I... We don't know anything about Finland. <laughs> no, not, not a at thing. all. Finland, Finland, Finland. I had no idea Finland and Russia... Country where I quite like to be. We're yes. next to each other. Okay. Finland <laughs> borders, that. like, three or four different countries, actually. <laughs> One of those being Russia. <laughs> and I guess... It's like the Appalachian Mountains of Finland where you just have the, you know, the rednecks who barely speak English. I looked it up, like 90% of Finland speaks English. <laughs> and you're you're considered like a country bumpkin or whatever if you don't know English. And that's kind of who we're working with here. So we're working with... But they don't the seem they people. don't seem like idiots though. No, they're not idiots, they're but quite they just smart, actually. they live out in the middle of nowhere, they hunt reindeer, and that's how they make their money and their living. And anyway, what is Rare Exports about? I don't know what to say because I don't want to give it away. Well, I think we can say this. Uh, there, There's an excavation going on just on the Russian side of this border where these people in Finland live. And when their annual yield of reindeer are mysteriously murdered... They end up catching Santa Claus instead. <laughs> so what all that has to do with each other, we don't know. The movie is free with Hulu, Prime, Crackle, Popcorn Flicks, and Canopy. It is $4 to rent or $8 to buy. Should people watch Rare Exports? Yes. Absolutely. I yes. really enjoyed this really movie. Really liked it. A lot. As long as you can handle subtitles because don't let the beginning of the film fool you it is not all in english no uh, there are there are british and american <laughs> excavators working on this mountain in russia and they're all speaking english <laughs> and so you're like oh i guess i don't have I to guess deal it's with in it english. but no no <laughs> and uh it's it's in finnish it's really good if you can get past subtitles it's really really good which we can't maybe, we've covered subtitle movies before maybe a little long 
longer than it needs to be. Yeah, just a little. But like, it's really good. Yeah, I'd recommend it just for how unique it is. And then, and then, so to explain, they made a short film originally called Rare Exports, uh, and that got buzz. And so they made a sequel to that, which was also very successful, which got them the ability to make this movie. Now, the movie has a little bit of a mystery to it, and it's a prequel to the short films that are online. So do not watch those yet. Watch the movie first, then watch the short films. Yeah. Which is exactly what we did. So you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2010's Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. It's the most magical time of the year. When traditions are honored. And the youngest among us still believe in the spirit of the season. something else than just plain rocks and dirt this mountain is like a giant ice box for storing what drill deeper bear the dynamite you have a grave to rob we have santa claus he sees you when you're sleeping when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And he doesn't give up. Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. Kelsey? Hmm? Can you get us started on Rare Exports? We open on a group of excavators. Sure. They're like a mining company. Yeah. And they are at the top of a mountain. The mountain is called Corvatunturi, or which apparently means ear fell. Ear fell. Yeah. Okay. Is it a real mountain? Yes. Fell is like a um like a mountain range. A mountain range. That's their word or, for mountain range. Yeah, uh-huh. It, it literally comes from the Old Norse meaning mountain. So, yeah. It's ear mountain. That's <laughs> what that means. But basically. it's a real mountain. It's a real mountain, yes. Okay. So they are at the top of this mountain, and they are trying to find something dug inside of it. And they have found a sample. And it has sawdust in it, right? Yes. Yeah. And this American doctor explains that the mountain is actually a giant block of ice that has something entombed within it. Yes. Uh, you need to drill deeper and you'll see. He shows the guy who's the head of the people that are mining something. We don't get to see what it is. And he goes, oh, this is some funny shit. And he says, watch your mouth. It's Christmas time, so let's act like it. He's under the impression that you need to be a good boy and girl. When this happens. What are these? It's the new safety instructions. Wash behind the ears. This is funny shit. Watch your mouth. But that's Christmas time. None of that matters. Yeah. So let's act like it. So this guy is Riley. 
And this crew is made up of a combination of Western Europeaners and Americans. The head of the operation, Riley, and underneath him, the guy who runs the crew, who says the the new rules are bullshit, he's American, we find out later. He gives this long speech about how... All of his dreams since his childhood are about to come true. This is a giant burial ground. You have a grave to rob. I can proudly say that we are standing on a sacred grave on the biggest burial mound in the world. This remarkable place puts even the pyramids to shame. It took the Sami people of Lapland centuries to build this mound. You have 24 days to open it. Roll up the sleeves. Repair the dynamite. Do what you do best. You have a grave to rob. The grave was put there by the Sami people, which are basically the indigenous people of this area, Finland, Norway, Sweden, and Russia. Because remember, but this is this just happens, on the side of the border. Yeah. This happens just on the side of the border between Finland and Russia. And I have no idea when that became the border. So, yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. He tells them you have 24 days to open this up because it's almost Christmas. Almost Christmas. And they are going to blow it up. They're going to blow up the mountain. Now, how do we? How do we hear all this? Well, all of this is coming to us from English, right? But the point of view character switches here. Yes, we start to see these two little boys who are watching what they're doing. These are Pietri and Yuso. Pietari. 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 Who is our main character? Yes. Yeah. And and Yuso, who is a friend of his that's a little older, it's his dad's friend's kid, basically. Yeah. yeah. Pietari says that he thinks that Santa is buried up there. And the other one is just like, haven't you figured it out yet? The guy who you see on Christmas, your dad pays him to show up and to pretend to be that's, Santa. That, that's uh, Piperinen. Piperinen. But Pietari is convinced that this is the first Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus. He starts to do research, and there's, like, this montage. He spends basically the whole month of December trying to read up on the ancient history of Santa Claus. Yes. Meanwhile, his father is creating a... Wolf pit. Wolf pit. So there's all these spikes, and he has set up... A pig's head, because he has like a pig farm, mm-hmm. he has set up a pig's head to lure them. And I don't know how well that would work. It wouldn't. Why would an animal go for something that's just hanging? Because it's meat and it's the winter. They need food. I they guess. Get so they're not smart enough to understand that if it's just hanging there, it's not alive? Well, any, well it's not about it being alive. They need food to live. <laughs> it's that or die. And, you know, animals of all stripes, including humans, make stupid decisions when they get desperate. That's true. But these things are illegal, by the way. The idea is to get rid of the wolves that endanger their crop. I I don't know what you would call them, the herds of reindeer that they they, they sell. Which, 
I don't know how that can possibly be. I mean, I, we're not in Finland, but how can that possibly be legal considering that, like, wouldn't you be killing off the entire species? I mean, like. Of reindeer? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think they kill them. I think they sell them. No, he says soon our refrigerators will be bursting Oh, yeah, you're right. Meat. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they sell it. But you do it they responsibly. They sell the meat. Right, but you do it responsibly. Like I guess. They, they, they catch them, they butcher the ones they need, and then they let the rest go in order to keep the herd alive and multiplying. So then we see that Piatari has a advent calendar that he, like, tapes and then reopens every year, I guess? Well, the important part is that whether this is a reused advent calendar or not is that he opens up the 23rd. And eats the chocolate. So I don't think it is reused. There's really. no chocolate inside. That's there why isn't? I said oh, this okay. must be reused because there's nothing inside. And he does tape up the 24. Yes. Because he does not want Christmas to come. <laughs> the The bulk of the movie takes place on the... Christmas Eve. The, the 23rd tw- and 24th. Yeah. Yeah. The kid wakes up and he yells at his... I think it's supposed to be his stand-in for a dog... But it's like just like a handful of brown, like it's not a stuffed animal. You think it's going it to be a stuffed. stuffed it's really not. It's not a. It's not a. When you a, get a good look at it, it's just like this right, brown mass. It's not a mass. distinct. It's not a distinct animal. It's not like a bear or anything like that. But it has like arms and stuff. It's called uh, Vupe. But that's not how he pronounces it. He when he when he says it, it doesn't sound anything like no, what the Vupe. subtitle says. I, I wrote the subtitle, which is V U P P E, and then I wrote. How you pronounce it, which is V-O-O-P-A-Y, Vupe. That's what he says. That's I wrote that down not spe- what it sounded like I wrote to that me. down specifically because that's what he says. <laughs> but anyway, he yells at his Vupe because he's like, you were supposed to keep watch. Uh, because he is noticing there's like, and we never get confirmation if this is real or not. But he sees, like, footprints in the snow, and he thinks he's being watched by Santa Claus. Yeah. Somebody's watching. Yeah. He thinks he's being watched by someone. And his father is yelling at him from outside, get up, get dressed, what are you doing? And the kid, I guess this is supposed to show us, I mean, he's grown up here. He's used to it. He's running around in his fucking underwear in tons of snow. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's also supposed to show that he's hurrying up. And a tough kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he runs in and his father is, he's a, father is a butcher and his father tells him to come inside. But close his eyes. And he says, I don't want to go inside. And he says, get in here. You're going to freeze outside or a wolf is going to run by and grab you. Get uh-huh. inside. And the kid comes in and then he tells him, all right, daddy's working. Close your eyes. And I don't get why. Because what I do really appreciate about these people is that they really do love their children. Yeah. There's never, it never feels like I'm raising you and I have to be tough on you. It's very like, it's okay, honey, go ahead, close your eyes. You don't need to see it. But at the same time, he also wants his son to become a man. Yes. And we do see that. Like he's well, gonna- he has the conflict of being a single father. Yeah. And it comes up kind of once in the movie where the dad, uh, whose name is Rauno, cries at one point. He thinking doesn't about, want his son to see. Yeah. He, but thinking about his wife who's dead. So he has this kind of great conflict that they show of him trying to love his son and try to fulfill the the, the 
fatherly responsibility of making his son a man at the same time, which is which is difficult for him because it's not something he's used to. But I think he's doing a really good job of it. Yeah. So he's he's butchering up a pig. And the kid is like, why do you want me to get dressed? Why do you need me to get ready? And he's like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, the roundup. You're taking me? Yeah. So you really get the impression that he loves animals, and so he doesn't like to see them hurt in any way. But that's exactly what his entire community does. That's their butchers. They they provide meat because that's all they can really do up in these mountains. So he asks his father, uh, were you outside my window? And his dad's like, I have, I don't have time to answer stupid questions. But Piatari keeps asking him, and he's just like, no, I wasn't there. And it's this really sweet relationship that they develop. Mm-hmm. Because, as we just said, he's torn between, I need you to turn into a man, mm-hmm. but I also love you. Right, you're like, you're my son, and I want you to be a kid, and I care about your sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Right, he knows his son is sensitive to the butchering of these pigs, so he tells him, "Close your eyes." He's not like one of those guys. You open your eyes and you watch me butcher this pig because you need to be a man. No, it's none of that. And so he tells Vupe, "He's spying on us." Yeah. Well, then the assumption is he is Santa Claus. Yes. So they go to what they call the roundup. So this idea that all these reindeer are going to come down the mountain, I guess they do it every year. And they're being herded by these men on on snow cats. And so they herd them into this big fence. And this year, apparently, they're going to electrify the fence for the first yeah, time. Yeah, Pippa is the one who set up the electrical fence. And the father hands Piatari a gun and he goes is it loaded and he goes yes otherwise it would be useless (laughs) i've always felt that way Uh, i I, like i totally get why you don't keep a loaded gun in the house i understand that but mm -hmm. at the same time it's like how useful is that gonna be if someone gets into your house (laughs) i i've always found that to be a major conundrum (laughs) but anyway and the kid kind of he takes it and he's just kind of like yeah i got it and the other kid yuso is like can you really handle that? And he goes, of course I can. Mm-hmm. And it's really great because the kid also, he wants to make his father proud. And yeah. yet he is very sensitive. He is very much a young, naive child, but he also has to be strong. He's growing up without a mother. He's the apparently the youngest of his group of this tribe or whatever. And he's always kind of seen as the weak one. And so yes. he wants to prove himself. It's It's like when you... It's like when you bring all your family together for at Christmas time. There's always the youngest one uh-huh. who kind of gets picked on the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he actually gets excited when he first sees the reindeer. He's like, they're coming, they're coming. And uh-huh. the, the men are like, yes, soon our freezers will be brimming with meat and all that. But there's only two. There's only two scrawny ones that come down the path. And they're like, what the fuck? Something is wrong. And Pietari goes, perhaps they got lost. And they're like, nah. So they get on their snowcats to go up and see, or I guess they're not snowcats, snowmobiles. Snowmobiles. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they go up there and they find the, the herd is all dead. It, they being Rauno and Piatari and Yuso and his father, Amo. There's no way I'm going to remember these names. I have them up in front of me just for this purpose. Yeah. <laughs> They're, these are basically our main characters along with Pippa Rinnan. These five people are our main characters in this movie. Why we keep talking about these characters and like all these different things that they've got going on is because I actually think this movie is 
quite incredible. It's fascinating in that all this and... it developed each character. It uh -huh. gave each character insecurities. It gave each character passions. Like they really cared about it. Yeah, you know, as opposed to so many American horror movies that we have seen that. The characters are all one-dimensional. They all just, you know, they show up to be murdered. And it's like, this movie actually wanted to make a good film, which is funny when you watch the shorts that it's based on, because they're such simple shorts. Right, but they do they do separate these men, and it's the same actors. They do separate them as, as different roles. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, these people all have different roles. Like Pipperin, and he's, he's inventive. He's talented. He can do a lot of things, including play Santa Claus. He's also a little kind of silly. <laughs> There's Amo, who is like, he's the tough one who gets things done. He also speaks English. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then there's Rauno, who's like the quiet one, the the steady one that you can count on. The father, yeah. Piatari's mm -hmm. father, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And Piatari's father is quite intelligent as yeah. well. He mm -hmm. he picks up on things and puts things together really fast, which is why earlier when you said, "Well, only country bumpkins in Finland cannot speak English," I'm like, they did not make them that way at right. all. But they're out in the mountains. They're they're the Appalachians, basically, you know? So at first, they want to blame the people who are blowing up the mountain because they think, well, you've scared all the wolves, you've made the wolves go crazy, and now they've attacked all of these reindeer. But even that doesn't seem to really make sense because a wolf is not usually a creature who will kill for fun. You kill yeah. for the meat. Yeah. But here they've killed tons of animals and they've left lots of carcasses just laying there. Yeah. And it's right near the opening in the gate that Pietari and Yuso That's went the through. next thing they see is that there is a cut in the chain link it's, fence. It's not the wolves capitalizing on a broken fence. This was deliberately cut with wire cutters. Right. And so when Pietari's like, oh my god, we have to tell them what we did, and Yuso's like, no. We absolutely do not. I'll beat your ass if you say anything. We were never near the gate. Uh -huh. And Yuso goes up to the adults. Pietari's kind of left behind, and he looks at one of the corpses, and he lifts one of its haunches, and underneath it, he sees a bloody human footprint. But he doesn't bother to show it to anybody. No. Probably because he knows that they would probably brush it off, because what are they supposed to do with that information? Through the whole movie, and I gotta say, I hate this about movies, but I don't think this movie does it obnoxiously like most do, where they lay it on really, really thick, is that... Nobody listens to Pietari. They really disregard him. Well, because he's the youngest kid. Yeah, Most he's people a young would. kid, and he's talking about how what's going on is Santa Claus. Right. And, and so, again, of course, they don't listen to him, but it's not like this big, long thing of, why won't anybody listen to me? And they also don't try to make him feel stupid about it. Right, it's, yeah. It's, it's purely this. If you were faced with this situation and your kid tried to tell you it was Santa Claus... Even if you had the smallest, like, maybe, you're not going to give in to that maybe. Yeah. Because uh -huh. that would be crazy talk. Yep. Right? As an adult, it is your responsibility to be the adult in the situation. So even if for a moment you're like, I don't know, you don't admit that to your kid. Yeah. Because you can't let your kid go crazy with these yeah, ideas. totally, totally. Like I said, this movie's very good. It's really well written. 
so this is when they tell us that's the Russian border, and that's when the adults in the situation are specifically Piatari's father says, Rauno, yeah. fuck this shit, we're going up there and we're talking to them. And they're like, hey, man, crossing the border is a bigger offense than it is to... to like kill the reindeer and he's like i don't care they've cost us and according to them it's going to be eighty-seven thousand yeah. dollars. rauno and amo do the math like they're talking to each other how much is that and they they think yeah, eighty-seven thousand dollars. it's a whole season wasted and by the time they get up there it's suddenly nighttime i yeah, guess well, they gotta climb a mountain, mountain. yeah <laughs> and he's like oh these boys left in a hurry and it's just like Nobody seems to want to, again, they don't want to face, like, well, they know something it's been, seems wrong here. Right. They they know it's been quiet on the mountain for several days now. And so they, they figure they left by now when they get up there and they don't find anybody there. And then they go into the offices and they see everything's kind of trashed. And they're like, oh, wow, they really got out of here fast. And they're not quite putting two and two together, but they're starting to notice these clues. And they find this giant pit where they've been excavating, and Rauno throws a flare down there, and they never see it drop. They never see it hit the ground. What on earth were they digging up? Uh-huh. So back to Pietari's home. We kind of glossed over what he saw when he did his research. He saw that Santa initially was all about just hurting children. Right. He It, it tells this story of the transformation of Santa Claus from this horned demon who would punish naughty children and cook them and, and, and flay them and like stuff like that into more and more of the Coca-Cola Santa Claus that we know. But still hurting supposedly naughty children. Right. But the point is, is he's going back to how long this thing has been buried and what Santa was at that time was this this demonic horned demon. Yes. Demonic demon? Yeah, you know what I mean. So he has put on all of this armor. Yeah. <laughs> and he asks Yuso, who he's invited over, what? how do I look? And the kid's like, like a kid in a diaper? What are you doing? <laughs> and he explains that to him. The Coca-Cola Santa is bullshit. The real Santa hurts kids. And the other kid is kind of starting to listen, but also trying to tell him that he's a bunch of f- full of shit. Yeah. And he says, oh, yeah? We'll take a look at this. And he stole a picture of what they found inside the mountain. And I will tell you right now, I didn't see shit in it. Did you? I, I couldn't make out it. I couldn't make out what he wanted me to look at. I was like it looks like a circle in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like and that's kind of what the other kid says. He's like what am I even looking at here? And he says proof that some fairy tales are true. The Sammy people lured him in and put him in ice. Yes. So Yuso just kind of laughs at him and leaves. When Pietari comes downstairs, he sees that his father has made gingerbread cookies and the father lights the candles. Oh, yes, there's a lot of gingerbread. But so the kid kind of makes a face when he first eats the gingerbread, almost like it's not very good. Uh But then the kid says, it's just like mom used to make it. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, oh, he's just lying to make his father happy. But then later they all eat the gingerbread and they all seem happy and satisfied. So Yeah, oh, I think it's just that he's sad. That's when he when it reminds him of mom that makes him sad. Maybe it's that. And so 
the father looks at what he's wearing and he's like, were you out playing hockey? And he's like, no, it's just a game we play. He's like, must be a rough game. Yeah. (laughs) Also, we should point out that Piatari is not only decked out in all this armor, but he's also carrying that rifle around with him everywhere. Yes. But this isn't the type of dad that would be worried about No, that. no, no. no, no. Well, he should know how to carry a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? The kid then asks his father, what would happen if I disappeared? And this is when the father tells him, you need to go to bed. No, he says, you should disappear. And the kid looks at him like, oh, and he says, up to bed. You, you, good little boys are in bed by now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Piatari kind of picks it up and leaves. And then we see the father cry. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really well made. Guys, this is a really good movie. If you haven't gotten it already, you should watch it before we spoil the rest of it for you. So then we see that he's staring out the window and he's desperately trying to stay awake. Because he's watching for Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. But everything he does doesn't work. He ends up falling asleep. And I think this is supposed to be a flashback. We see the guys who are working on the mountain and they're getting a call on the radio from the American. And he says, is the cargo ready? No, no, not from the American. From Riley. He's not American. Oh. Brian Green is the, the leader of the crew. Not the owner of the company that says, we found Santa Claus, hooray. It's the guy who says, this is bullshit. That's Brian Green. He's American. Okay. It's really hard to keep these. Just just say, well, okay. It's hard to keep things straight when you're dealing with names that you don't, you're not familiar with and with different languages and different countries. It's really hard. (laughs) But this is a sub-zero corporation and the owner of the corporation, Riley, is is calling them saying. Is the cargo ready? And he's like, no, it's fucking not. The cargo still has a pulse. Yeah. Something is wrong here. And he's like, just follow the safety instructions. Fuck your safety instructions. (laughs) Is the cargo ready? No, we have to cancel the whole operation. It's not what you think. I repeat, is the cargo ready? Cargo? Don't you understand? It still has a pulse. Calm down, Mr. Green. Just... Follow the safety instructions. Fuck your safety instructions! What the fuck? Is that all we see there, or do we see an attack? Is this where we see the guy to get decapitated? Maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. Anyway. But we don't know what's going on. Right. We don't they, see anything. They don't show us what it is. Yeah. So, back to Pietari's house. So now it, it is Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's the morning of Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. And the father goes to put a fire on, and something jumps out at him. Well, there's like this sawdust just goes, not sawdust, but yeah, there's like this sawdust just goes everywhere. And we've associated sawdust with the burial of this ice now. We're like, oh shit, what's going on? What did he find? And the kid comes comes running running downstairs, and we find out the dad (laughs) reaches into the fireplace, pulls out the log of wood, and attached to it is this giant bear trap. (laughs) And so Pietari is trying to protect himself from Santa Claus coming down the chimney. But the father is like, do you think this is funny? I was almost killed. Yeah. And so the kid goes to run outside and he's like, you're grounded on Christmas because of this. And he's like, I'm not going out to go ice skating. I'm going out to pee, which then leads to the question of do they not have indoor plumbing? Or is it just that they want to save money? So if you got to pee, just go outside. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I remember my grandparents would always say, if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's what's happening here. 
And then he starts to scream for his father. And his father's like, what now? And he's like, the bait is gone. And he's like, oh, okay, so it's a wolf. Stay back. Yeah. But every time he stays back, Piatari <laughs> oh, takes a couple so steps. Oh, it's so great. Stop. <laughs> stay. And then, and then Rano, like approaches cautiously and just step within step <laughs> Piatari follows hit right behind him it's just so precious it's really and the good. father kind of knows yeah <laughs> but it, it's cute because he doesn't get mad about it uh. but when he finally looks down into the pit that's when he yells do you hear me stop moving and the kid's like why what is it and he's like it's nothing it's nothing and the kid's like well if it's nothing why can't I see it's just a bird it's just a bird well if it's just a bird can I see it? no <laughs> And he's like, I haven't made breakfast yet. Get inside. Yeah. So he, what we, we saw what he saw. We saw a hand. We saw a hand, a human hand when he moved some of the brush that he put over this wolf pit. Yes. So then they're sitting down for breakfast and the one who dresses up as Santa comes by. Pipperinen. And he tells his son, stay inside. And the kid's like, are you mad at me? And he goes, no, but you're grounded. And he goes outside. <laughs> he gets his friend to help him get this body out of his pit. Yeah, which is exactly why it's illegal, by the way. Yes. Because the, because wolf pits are indiscriminate and and they're by their nature disguised and lethal. So, yeah, not legal. <laughs> So they take him out. They find, supposedly, they find his passport. Well, yeah. So he has one of the Sub-Zero Wallets. jackets on, and he has his wallet. and pulls it out, and they find his name is like Brian Jonathan Green or whatever. Brian Jonathan Green is this guy's name. And they look at him, and he's like, he's not even 60 yet. Look what the cold did to him. <laughs> it's this. It, he looks gaunt, and he has this long white beard. And we're like, oh, God, they've caught Santa Claus. <laughs> and Pietari is like, no, yeah, I know he was caught because he was coming for me. Well, he climbs into the wolf pit. He's Pietari is looking down through a window. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this dead body starts to sniff. Yeah. And they're like, oh, shit, he's alive. And they don't understand that Pietari is looking down. And that's why the nose is working. Yeah. There's a child nearby. He smells the child. So, um, I but Piatari, a child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Piatari climbs into the wolf pit to to look and see if he can find anything else, and he finds this giant child sized doll made out of uh, tree trimmings, brush, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit! So there, the. Pipperinen and Rauno are investigating this old man, and they realize that he's alive, and Pietari is continuing his own investigation. He calls up Yuno to see if he's if he's there, right? And he calls up... He's calling up all the kids. All the kids. And all the parents are like, have you seen him? He hasn't been around. And yeah. Rauno leaves... The other one, Pepperinen. And Pepperinen is like, what do I do? Yeah. He's <laughs> and like, he's well, like, have a little him. chat with him. <laughs> yeah. They go to get the one who can speak English. Yeah. When they get to the house, Pietari immediately goes and looks for Yuso. And the father is like, oh, he's probably still asleep. But when he gets up there, he finds the little, the same type of doll yeah. in his bed. We haven't mentioned this, but they're there with a police officer. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, that's right. 
Because the Pippering father and... saw Pietari yeah. get in the police officer's car. And he's like, what the fuck oh, is he, he doing? He can't tell them that we have a body. Like, I, I could be... Uh, it, it imprisoned for murder because of the wolf pit. And they don't explain why, I suppose, Pietari got in the car because he wanted to see the other Yeah, he kids. needed a ride to, to, and he's trying to tell the police officer someone's taking kids. And when the father is trying to get his kid, Pietari, the cop is like, hey, anything weird happened at your house? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, then you're the only one because... All the sacks have been taken from this potato farm. Well, yeah, from Amo, he's like, oh, yeah, no, they ransacked my my potatoes. And they're like, oh, they took all your potatoes? Like, no, they left the potatoes. They took the sacks. Yeah. And, and all the radiators have been stolen from the town. And Amo says my wife's hair dryer is stolen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, ovens have been stolen. And the police officer's like, you know, whatever's going on, it's going to be a very cold Christmas. Yes. And, and so when... Pietari comes out with this doll. Amo and the police officer are both like, uh, he, you know, he's probably just out chasing girls. When I was your age, we did the same sort of thing, but we did it with pillows in the bed. He just made a doll, you know. But he's not willing to say because you know he knows that Rauno could get in trouble. His dad could get in trouble, so he doesn't say anything about the fact that he found a very, very similar doll in the pit where this old bearded man was found. But it has become very clear at this point that. Whoever this dude is, he's coming mm -hmm. around, he's leaving dolls and taking yeah. children. This is when Amo comes back with Rauno to try to talk to this guy, and Pietari starts doing the investigation and calling all the houses and seeing where the, if the kids are home. So they go back to his house, and Pipperinen is nursing a wound, and they're like, what the fuck happened? He's like, it's not human, it bit me. Yeah. And they're like, he's just a foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, and you speak English, so you go talk to him. Mm -hmm. And when they go in there, he's cowered in a corner, naked and dirty. Yeah. And so the one who speaks English comes up to him and kind of pokes him with a stick. And he just won't move. And he tries talking to him, and he won't respond. And so he starts to hit him with the stick, just trying to get him to talk, and he just won't. Mm -hmm. They tried to explain to him. They're like, we're going to keep you here until your company pays up. You owe us $87,000. And he just won't respond. He's just not saying anything. Yeah. So then Pietari, who's been making all these phone calls, goes and talks to his dad. And he's like, dad, you've got to whip me. I think 15 lashes should do it. I've been naughty. We're the ones who made the hole in the fence. And just so you know, all the kids have been taken from town. Yeah. <laughs> And the father's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get the, like, I'm dealing with something serious right uh -huh. now. But when Pietari comes out and this naked man goes feral. Yeah, and they, they don't realize what's going on because Pietari has, has entered this he's slaughterhouse. He's outside of the house. Well, he's outside the slaughterhouse and the, and the guy kind of like starts reacting. And when the three of the men are inside and he really perks up. They realize that Pietari has made his way inside. And so Pietari's the only way that this old bearded man is reacting to anything. And so Rauno like grabs Pietari and is like, Do you know this man? Like, who is he? Why is he responding to you? And Pietari just very solemnly is like, It's Santa Claus. He's been spying on the he's children. He's been spying on, on me and he's taken the children and he came here to take me. And that's when he fell into the wolf pit. So they tie this guy up, 
Well, they they get a radio transmission on the radio that's in the Sub-Zero jacket that they found the guy in. And it's Riley saying, do you have him? Do you have Santa Claus? They're like, the fuck? Now this other person is saying that they have Santa Claus? Holy shit. This is Santa Claus. (laughs) So Rauno talks to him and is like, we have Santa Claus. You're going to pay us for him. We have Santa Claus. And so they dress him up in Pipperin in Santa Claus outfit, which is what he was supposed to be doing right now. And they chain him up and they put him in a cage in the back of a truck and they drive him out to the meeting place that Riley from Sub-Zero set and where he's going to land in his helicopter in half an hour. And on the drive over, they're arguing about how much money they should ask for him. Because Rauno is like, we should only ask for 87000 The other one's like, if we have the real original Santa Claus, we could be making a lot more money. Yeah, millions. Than that. And Rauno's like, I don't want to tempt fate. Exactly. It's just like, let's just ask for what we're owed. Mm-hmm. Because what if they just say, fuck that, and try and take him, you know? Yeah, like, what uh-huh. are we going to do? Meanwhile, this old man, who, by the way, looks in fucking credible in these scenes when he kind of side eyes and does one of these, you know, looks at Pietari, it's so sinister <laughs> and so great. And so this whole drive while the adults are talking, he's just staring. Pietari is sitting in the back seat and Santa is staring at him through the back window and Pietari can only just look at him. Stare at him. <laughs> it's so good. It is. So they get there to do the drop off and the other one gets out and he finds his wife's hair dryer. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> Here's the hair dryer. And, and on their drive, they pass by but didn't see a stove just lying on the side of the road in the snow. Yes. And so they get out and out comes this guy and they're like, what a midget. <laughs> yeah, because he's a small dude. They expected him to be bigger and more intimidating or whatever. And he's not. And they're like, well, we have Santa, you know. You're going to pay us for him. How much? And Rauno tells Amo to tell him 87000 And you expect Amo to say a million dollars or something like that. But he just says $87,000. The other one gets pissed. The other yeah. one's like, ask for a million. And, <laughs> and Rauno's like, shut up. And so but meanwhile, out, he says. While this is all happening, Pietari walks off on his own and he says the last door. And, and we don't we get to see, find out what that is until well, we, later. We see it. A hanger door. He does. We do see this. We see the hanger. It's a giant hanger with a door that says 24 on it, which reminds him of the 24 door on his advent calendar that he tried to keep closed. Mm-hmm. And so Riley tells them the Riley, the owner of Sub-Zero demolitions or, or mining or whatever, tells them to, OK, bring him out. And so they bring him out. They put him on this lift and they they drag him over still in the cage And Riley takes a look at him. Oh, my God, we have Santa Claus. And he's just kind of, like, looking at him. And Santa looks back. And there's this, like, glint in his eyes. And he's like, okay, everyone, smile. You need to smile right now. They can't see you upset. Like, what are you talking about? And he says, this isn't Santa Claus. It's one of Santa's little helpers. Put down your weapons and smile. That's nice. As you can. And move slowly. And do exactly as I say. This is not Santa. What? 
It's one of Santa's little helpers. And nobody knows what he's saying except for Amo. And and Amo, they're like, what is he saying? And Amo's like, he says he's an elf. Like he's trying to get out of the money or whatever. He's trying not to pay us. And then all of a sudden, something comes out of nowhere and just decapitates Riley. Yes. And Riley's just dead. <laughs> and then all of these naked, bearded old men come out of the shadows. And you're like, oh, holy shit. These are Santa's little helpers. These are the elves. They're just these naked old men. And this guy that they caught is not Santa Claus. So they run into the hangar. And what they find in the hangar is a giant block of ice with these huge horns it coming out like of it. It looks like a Krampus. Yeah, very much so. Just like the Krampus from Krampus. Yes. But they also find all the radiators, all the ovens, anything that generates heat trying to melt this ice and sacks laid at the feet of this ice block full of all the children that were taken from the village. Yes. Which gets Amo really upset because he realizes, no, his son really was taken. And, you know, he tries to find his son. Yeah, Amo is freaking out because he wants to find his son. Pipperinen is freaking out. He's like, we're all going to die because yeah. they're all, the, all the elves are trying to get inside. and He's desperately trying to keep them out. Rauno is trying to figure out what the fuck should we do? And Piatari kind of just doesn't seem... Worried. He's looking around. He starts to look around, and he sees them trying to trying to trying to bar up the doors uh, with with the radiators and stuff. And they're turning all the radiators off because they don't want to melt the ice, and they need them to bar up these doors. And Piatari looks up, and he sees the giant opening in the top of the hangar. And I was thinking, oh shit, they're going to come in through the ceiling. <laughs> and so he starts to to yell at them. Listen to me, listen to me. And this is like the one time where it comes to a head where he's like, why isn't anybody listening to me? He shoots his gun. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they all stop and look at him. And he says, as long as the kids are here, the elves won't leave the hangar. It's mere Santa. I suggest Santa. Yes. It's great. The kid just becomes <laughs> like a military leader in this moment. And... Because he has been, it's not like out of nowhere, like, oh, they're trying to pull up, play him up as like, now he's tough. The whole entire movie, he's growing up in a matter of, of a month. He's very and resourceful He's been, he's young been kid. researching, he's been practicing training, he's been protecting himself, he's been thinking. And this whole entire time has been leading up to this moment. So it doesn't come out of nowhere. But he, we don't get to hear what his plan is. No. The next thing we see is Pipperinen yeah. running out. And distracting the elves with gingerbread. And basically pointing out that you give them gingerbread, you keep them happy, you're nice, and you're not in their way, they will ignore you. Yes. And so he makes his way to the helicopter. Why the father brought gingerbread, we don't know. Yeah. They don't ever explain that. They don't that. ever explain, but gingerbread's throughout this movie. It's just like a thing that they keep on their person. Yeah. And he goes to the helicopter that Riley came in. The pilot has long since died in a demonstration of force of the elves. And then he takes off. I did it. I got in the helicopter. They didn't bother me. And he flies over the hangar and they they put all the kids still in sacks into this net. And at first, Amo's like, not my son. And Piatari's like, it won't work if we don't bring all the kids. Yeah. Um, put him in there. And then Piatari, so they're all like in a big net. Piatari grabs onto the edge of the net and has his uh, walkie-talkie. Walkie-talkie. It's really fun. It's really, really fun. Now, this is when their budget 
shows. Right. They do some CG flying through the night great. in the snow, trying to hide some of this stuff. And it's, you know, it's it's clever, but there's only so much that cleverness can get you when you're dealing with CGI. Mm-hmm. So they lift the net full of children up out the top of this hangar and they fly it away and they tempt all the little helpers and they all follow. They We say Santa's little helpers. These are fully grown old men with white beards. Well, they're beards, really short, though. Naked. I mean, not like little people short, but they're short. Yeah. And so as they're riding, uh, Piatari says, now turn around and go back to your farm. And the guy's like, why? And he says, pretend they're reindeer. And the guy goes, my stars! Yes. And then they fly over there. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, he's basically leading them similar to how they would lead the reindeer back to the pen at Pipperinen's farm. When they get there, they realize the electricity isn't on. They can just climb right through back through the fence if they wanted to. And Piatari is like, okay, somebody has to do this. I'm going to do it. And Pipperinen is like, no, you don't. And he's like, yeah, I do. I've already, you know, I'm already prepared. And he just drops out of the net. Yeah, and this is my problem is that like, yes, he just happens to Right. It's a badass moment land. for badass's sake. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And he he drops into like these you'd wires. Yeah. He grabs them under his armpits, and that's how he catches himself from falling. And then he climbs down the electrical tower, and then he gets to the bottom and he's able to turn it on. And as all of these elves are, are coming over the hill, he says into the walkie-talkie, tell my dad what I did. Like, he wants his father to be proud of him. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, back at the hangar, what's going on? They've taken off his horn. I guess they're No, no, they do it. that last. They drill holes in the ice block and they just shove yes, all the dynamite, dynamite into it. Mm-hmm. All the dynamite that you would expect to be in this hangar because they're miners. They excavate and that's what they do. They blow up mountains. So all this dynamite goes into it. And when they're all set up, they go back in with a chainsaw and they saw off Santa's horns yeah and like, they put it in the back of the truck with uh with rauno who's sitting in the back of the truck amo is driving and they're driving away and the wire is trailing along behind them on a roller yeah and as they drive away have a merry christmas and a happy bloody new year yeah and he presses the button and the whole fucking thing explodes and then back at the pen all the elves just Stop. Well, so first we see a shot of Pipperin and he's like, how do you like that, elves? Yeah. And then the elves just kind of stop. And he says, I guess we've put them all out of a job. Yes. And so Piatari's going to be fine. Yes. Yeah. They, 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 their leader is dead. It's like all those movies where if you kill the mother or you kill the queen, then the others yes. die. Uh-huh. It, they don't die. They just become... Yeah, Useless. the whole point is, like, they do have instincts, but what they do is they gather children for Santa, and they know Santa's dead, so they're they're out of a job. Mm-hmm. And, and so while they do still have instincts, they don't have a goal, and they're aimless now at this point, so they're just kind of standing there. Cut to, <laughs> what, 344 days till Christmas or whatever. And we get, like, a montage yeah. of them cleaning the elves up. Dressing them, 
showing them how to handle kids. By, by holding onto these little dolls and being nice. And every time they bite it, they'll hit them or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, and Rauno is sitting on a chair, which is on a roller. And they're pulling him along this line of all these old men. We're holding these dolls, and, and Rano's demonstrating with Pietari, like, how you be nice to children. Look, you caress their face. You do not bite them. Nah. You know, like that sort of thing. And we figure out that what they're doing is they're training Santa Clauses to be nice to children and have children sit on their lap and tell them what they want for Christmas and all of that. And and they signify this by the one who's done training. They put a Santa's hat over on, on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuso does that <laughs> is the one who actually puts, so it's the five of these, the three adults and the two kids training all these, uh, these Santas. And then they box one up to go to Zanzibar and their label on the box is rare exports. Mm-hmm. That's the company that they've created now, and they export Santa Clauses <laughs> instead of reindeer meat. Which is kind of a silly it thing. Is, like, what but it, I fucking love it. Who are you selling them to? <laughs> yeah, it, no, but here's the thing. It's not like a what's next sort of thing where, like, if you think logically about it, there's a much more story going on here, and it isn't resolved like you think it is just because the danger's over. It's not one of those what next moments. It's also not a, well, this introduces a whole sweep a whole swath of questions that we don't have answers for what this does is it creates a world and it introduces a bunch of questions where the answers are interesting <laughs> the answers are no people are aware there's a santa farm that has real santas that they ship out to the world to be a force of good in the world and now instead of herding reindeer and selling that they they herd and train Santa Clauses. And that's really fun. It's really, really fun. And and that's the end of the movie, but we also watch the two shorts. You know, slave labor. Yes, that's exactly. Fun. <laughs> yeah. But the whole point is they're like animals, right? Um there's Rare Exports Inc., which is the first short film made in 2003. And then two years later, that was successful, so they released Rare Exports, the official safety instructions. Pietari is in it. Well, they're all in it. All of those men. Well, all the adults. The but three adults it, the are in The second one is where we get to see Pietari. Well, yeah, we get to see Pietari in the second one, yeah. Where he's he's a hunter being trained. Yes, he's now become a man. Yes, uh-huh. And it is so good. I mean, they're not playing the same characters, but you can assume they are. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. There's a, there's a tracker, there's a marker, and there's a sharpshooter. And they're hunting down these wild Santa Clauses. And these just naked bearded men running through the forest. <laughs> pinging them with uh, with tranquilizer darts in order to train them. And then we see the training process. And every time he bites that doll, they hit him. <sighs> and when they finally do box it up at the end, it's to Zanzibar. So anyway, that's why I'm saying these shorts are much better if you don't watch them before the movie. And you they give away a lot of information that I think would make the movie a little less enjoyable, knowing it ahead of time. Because it's fun how that is exposed to you over the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. And now once the idea has been established, now we can have fun with these short films mm-hmm. you know, that play around with that. And it's really good. I really, really enjoyed this movie. And it's not really a horror movie. I really wouldn't call it that. Well, I mean, it is insofar as... It's a horrific idea, but that doesn't make it a horror movie. Right, but it, I mean, there's these things that are hunting... like the. The tone of the movie throughout the whole thing is a horror movie. 
And just because we know what the reality is, in fact, doesn't counteract that tone retroactively. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'd say it is a horror movie. It just doesn't pay off the way a horror movie pays off. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. You know? And uh, apparently somebody else who really enjoyed it was Roger Ebert, who called it an R-rated Santa Claus origin story crossed with The Thing. Apart from the inescapable fact that the movie has Santa and reindeer in it, this is a superior horror film, a spot-on parody of movies about dead beings brought back to life. Oh, and all the reindeer are dead. (laughs) (laughs) He says, yeah, they're usually not subtitled a Christmas tale. (laughs) <laughs> and tell about terrifying wild Santas. <laughs> but other than that fun sort of element to it, he says, no, it's actually a, a really good horror movie. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? 88. 89. There you go. Rare Exports is an unexpectedly delightful crossbreed of deadpan comedy and Christmas horror. Metacritic of 71. Do you think this movie is overrated or underrated? Maybe slightly underrated. What would you give it? I was going to give it a 90. I was going to give it an 87. But yeah, no, it is. It's that good, guys. It's really good. Yeah. I wish it was a little bit scarier. It's yeah, it's not very scary. But I'm telling you, when that first Santa's little helper, who we think is Santa, when he's crouched there and he's he's obviously I mean, (laughs) he's not like shivering or whatever, but he's like protecting himself. He's he's scared. Even though he's not visibly demonstrating that, he's just kind of crouched into a ball. And then when Piatari walks in and he just looks up at him, like, it's kind of terrifying. (laughs) That guy has an incredible look. (laughs) But yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I'm really glad we saw it. Yeah, absolutely. And if if you still haven't seen it, even though our recommendation at the beginning was to watch it, even though our recommendation in the middle was to watch it, <laughs> even though you know everything that happens, I'd still recommend you watch this movie. It's it's good. Just the just the relationships alone. Yeah, it's the characters really, are great. Yeah, the characters are great. so well developed. Piatari is an awesome character. Yeah, the kid it does a really good job. And I know that usually I say it's difficult to understand if, if people are good actors or not, when we're watching it through uh, a different language, Uh, this kid, he didn't need to be talking. I, when he was just being himself, like just looking at his face, I thought he did an excellent job. So the kid's name is Oni Tamila. And he is in another movie written and directed by Yalmari Haylander called Big Game, which also stars Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) Yes, from 2014, so a couple years after this, he plays a young teenager. So he's basically the same thing, just a little bit bigger, like he's 13 or something like that. And he's in the woods hunting, and where Samuel L. Jackson, the president of the United States, Air Force One crashes in the woods where he is and he needs to protect the president of the United States. Again, played by Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) Kind of want to watch this now. Is it a comedy? I figure it's kind of like this was, where it's a little bit of both, you know? Where it knows it's silly, but it's still cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ted Levine is in that, by the way. Buffalo Bill, Felicity Huffman, Jim Broadbent, 
Victor Garber, like a lot of famous people in this movie, probably because Rare Exports did so well. A couple years later, he's able to make this movie called Big Game. But that's all he's done? Yalmari Haylander. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, he just does a lot of stuff in, in Finnish. He did Rare Exports. He did a short after that. Then he did Big Game, which is the one we were just talking about. And then he, he did a uh, Finnish TV series called Wingman. And he's currently in post-production on a TV series called Perfect Commando. Hmm. Yeah, no, he hasn't really done much with it. So I think he did a fantastic job on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really good. You know, whether for what it is or even not considering what it is. I think I think this movie was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And that is our last Christmas episode with 1997's Jack Frost and 2010's Rare Exports. Our last episode of the year is still yet to come about New Year's. What are we watching, Kelsey? Okay, so we are going to watch Bloody New Year and a recommendation from last year. His Twitter handle used to be Bearded Prince, but I could not find him under that. (laughs) Or maybe he stopped being one of our listeners. I don't know. Um, But he recommended that we watch New Year, New You. So we're going to be watching Bloody New Year and New Year, New You. Yeah, really excited about that. That will be the last episode of the year. As a reminder, right after the new year, Kelsey and I are getting married. Woo! Uh, we've had some requests for people who want to send us stuff, and it feels really, really weird <laughs> to say, like, yeah, give us things. <laughs> um, but we want to be able to support that, so we're going to look to open up a, a P.O. box maybe just for a couple months. So if you do feel the need to send us anything, you can. We'll give you more details about that once we have that set up. But while we're gone, on our honeymoon, our worst and best of 2019 episodes will go live. So expect those right after the new year. Until then, you can always reach us at our website, podcemetery.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Rating and reviewing is surely helpful. The best way you can do that is by giving us a five-star written review. Sharing us with your friends is also very, very helpful. Word of mouth is a great way to spread podcasts. And you know what? Thank you for listening in the first place. We love each and every one of you. Until next time, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Luckily for you, Joe, the power to cloud men's minds is a responsibility I take very seriously. To be your mountain so lofty, yet feet are so tall. Finland, 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 Finland has it all. Oh, stop get back from the piles! Finland, 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 the good country where I quite want to be. Your mountain so lofty, yet feet are so tall. If you've enjoyed hearing this song and would like to know more about Finland, why not ring Mr Griffiths of Hemel Hempstead? He and his charming wife Edna would be glad to answer any of your questions and who knows... 
may show you some of their unrivaled collection of Scandinavian credit cards. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. But I mean, I, I mean, we never see ultimately whether it would or wouldn't matter. Yeah, we do. They kill him at the end. I mean, they kill him even though he is all like, smile, be happy. They kill him. Right, but those are the helpers, not Santa. We never see what Santa does. But if the helpers are just going to kill people. Well, because they have imprisoned Santa Claus. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, but when we go up, when we deal, we don't expect those people to be. I'm going to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And he says, as long as the kids are in here, the elves will not leave the hangover. The hanger. The hanger. Can you say that again? 